Now, if I was a betting man, I'd be betting confidently right now that very few of you want to change places with me for the next 15 or so minutes. See, I'm charged with the responsibility and the opportunity of drilling into the Christmas story and hopefully pulling some truths out of there that are gonna resonate with you right where you're at as we sit here, Christmas Eve 2016. The problem is though, we've all gathered together in one room in one time slot, and yet I think that I could slice and dice everyone here into three groups. The first group is our regulars. Our regulars, they, they know the Christmas story. They, they, some of them have been regulars for decades and they've heard the Christmas story every December for, for years and, and years and years. And so I have the challenge for our regulars of sharing something and, and, and unpacking something that's going to cut through the familiar and hopefully uh, impact them where they're at. And that's not easy. They're a bit stubborn. Uh, then there's a second group that we affectionately refer as the CEOs. The CEOs is our little code name for Christmas and Easter only. It's good to have you back. Um, <laughs> funny, we haven't seen you since, um, well, Easter actually. And, uh, and you're here to tick the box. Happy birthday, Jesus. Uh, and, 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 and 7.30, your intention, having ticked the box, is to sail off into the sunset um, and only to return again next Easter. And you have heard the Christmas story because you're a CEO and, and you've heard it probably many times. And in fact, my experience with CEOs is you actually believe the Christmas story and not just believe that it happened as an historical event. You actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The problem is you haven't yet surrendered your life to Him in such a way that you serve Him with your everyday. And, and I'm not being critical, but, what, but what, the reason I'm, I'm singling you out is I'm aware that I have the, 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 the opportunity, but with that, the responsibility and the challenge of, of maybe just, just nudging you a little bit further along on your journey to consider maybe there's more to following Jesus than, than Christmas and Easter only. And then there's a third group. We call you our first time guests. And, and I gotta tell you, everything that we've done, everything that the team puts on, all the heavy lifting that our team does. And by the way, none of them are paid. Everything that's done here tonight from investing in your kids through to setting up our physical environments and the video work and the music, all done by volunteers. And, and, and our priority is first time guests because we know that for some of you, it took a whole lot to just shoehorn you through the door. Some of you are here because you didn't want to be kicked out of the will. I get it. <laughs> some of you are here for the first time because you lost a bet and, you know, sucked in. That's life. <laughs> some of you are here because you got invited by a pretty girl. I can't blame you. There was an age where pretty girls used to invite me places. <laughs> now they just say I'm creepy. <laughs> and, and I know for you as first time guests that you're not entirely convinced, you may be completely unconvinced or you may even be completely unfamiliar with the Christmas story. And I've got about 15 minutes to, to drill into the story in such a way that maybe we, we, we penetrate, maybe the story penetrates your life and I've got 15 minutes to do that before you switch on your Instagram. 
because you're bored. So this is not an easy gig that I've got, but look, here goes. And I thought the simplest thing to do would be to tee off with something we can all agree on, or I'm pretty confident we can all agree on. And that is that we prefer it when life makes sense. I'm pretty confident if we were to survey everybody here that, that almost every single one of you would prefer understandable circumstances coming your way, wave after wave, over unpredictable, random, negative consequences. You're the guy who turned up to work five minutes before start time, diligently ready to go. When, 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 when the job was on, you worked hard. If the boss needed you to stay late, you stayed late. You worked diligently on every single thing you did for years and years. And then one day your boss called you into his office and said to you, John, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to let you go. And that didn't make sense to you. And you didn't like it. You married your childhood sweetheart. You gave her your life, you gave her your heart, you poured yourself into and then things started to go off the rails a little bit. Not, not, not through any fault of your own, it's the seven year itch, the 14 year itch, just things you just started to drift apart, but you got into counselling together and you worked hard and you weren't gonna let the years that you've invested in your marriage uh, cause this thing to, to come off the rails. And yet despite your best efforts, one day you got home and the divorce papers were sitting on the table. We don't like it when life doesn't make sense. You, you felt a little lump. You didn't think maybe, you know, maybe it's nothing. So you went to the doctor to check it out and you got a very unfavourable report about what that lump actually meant. And, and, and you looked after your health. You ate well. It, it didn't make sense to you. We don't like it when life doesn't make sense, particularly when it's negative things that happen to us. And, and, and here's what we do. When negative random things happen to us or negative random things happen to people we know and we love, we've actually developed a language around trying to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. That, that even though things are negative, we try, to, we try to make sense of them and we've actually developed a language. So, your boss tells you that they have to let you go. You call one of your buddies on the way home. You say, listen, just uh, lost my job. Just needed a, an ear to, 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 to speak to someone I could trust. And, and your buddy, with all of the right heart and the right motive and the right intention, says to you, it's okay, John. Everything happens for a reason. And you say, what's well, great, John. What's the reason? Mind telling me? And he's like, Moo. So we want him it to make sense, but then we can't make everything make sense. You, you speak to your girlfriend, and, 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 and I mean, as a, as a woman, you speak to your, your girlfriend and you say to her, I, I just found these divorce papers on the table. And, and your, your, your girlfriend says to you, with all the right motive, yeah, yeah. I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And you think to yourself, that's not very comforting. You're telling me that there's some cosmic forces that have all gathered together and ganged up on me and derailed my marriage. And that's supposed to comfort me. It was doomed from the start. Just wasn't meant to be. Wish you told me that when we were started dating. 
Your doctor gives you the bad report and you come home and you tell your family, listen, mum's got some, some, some news to share with you. I, I found a lump and the doctor's given me a bad diagnosis. And your husband who, you know, he's not quite sure what to, to, how to process this, and, but he wants to comfort you. He says, that's okay, sweetheart. I, I don't believe in coincidences. And you say, okay, so, so connect the dots for me. And he says, we've developed a language to try and, and put the pieces together and, and make understanding out of seemingly random negative circumstances. And here's what I wanna say tonight is that desire to, to create a language, that desire to wanna make sense out of random negative circumstances is actually a good thing. In fact, I'd put it to you that it's the thumbprint of God in your life. So your pet Labrador, he don't worry about these sort of things. He's having a nap, it's two in the afternoon and he gets woken up from his nap, startled because you've lit up the vacuum cleaner. And he doesn't think to himself, hmm, this vacuum cleaner has interrupted my nap. But it's okay because everything happens for a reason. He doesn't think that. He just over to another part of the house where it's quiet. You've either already vacuumed or you haven't got there yet. And he just carries on with his nap. Your Labrador isn't trying to put the pieces together of this cosmos and, and randomness and, and neg negative. It's one of the things that sets you and I apart from all other living creatures. And I put it to you that it's the thumbprint of God in your life that causes you to wanna make sense of life, even when life doesn't make sense. And if you've ever been in this situation, if you've ever been somebody who's experienced circumstances that, that were negative and didn't make sense, then I gotta tell you, you're gonna love a chick in the Christmas story. Her name's Mary and you and Mary have got a whole lot in common when it comes to random, seemingly negative things coming your way that didn't make sense. Now, we have an app you can pop it open if you've got it. Uh, for those of you first time guests, and we didn't have it at Easter, so the CEOs, you wouldn't have seen it yet. Um, no wonder they don't come back. Uh, you can pop that open, but we'll put it up on the screens in a moment. But be before I do, I'm also aware, again, not the most enviable job. You know, some people prefer, prefer death over public speaking. I've never quite, death, public speaking, okay. Anyway, some of you, <laughs> you haven't interfaced with the Christmas story because you've filed it under F for fairy tale. And I'm standing here tonight very confident in the historical truth of the Christmas story that there was a girl named Mary, I'll get to her in a moment. She gave birth to a boy, son named Jesus, I'll get to him in a moment. And the story went on. There's a couple of bits of the story that take faith, but not the historical stuff. Okay, so let me just start with the historical stuff. There was a dude named Luke. Luke was a doctor. He wasn't one of Jesus' earliest followers. Jesus' early followers, he gathered 12 guys together. I call them the 12 merry men. And uh, he spent three years with them. Luke wasn't one of them. Luke was a doctor. And actually about 50 years later, after Jesus had called the dudes together, the, 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 the story around Jesus was exploding in, in their part of the known world. And it, and, it, and it hadn't actually been written down. 
And Luke thought, being a doctor, cerebral guy, just the facts, ma'am, that, that he would take time to go around and interview eyewitnesses, people who spent time with Mary, spent time with Jesus, who saw the stuff that we read about today, who saw it actually happen as it happened, and not just one eyewitness, but a whole fleet of them over time. And he wrote uh, what we now call the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it, it was, it was a, a collection of eyewitness accounts. And here's how he teed off. And he kind of got straight into the beginning of the story, writing to a friend of his. Uh, so many others have tried their hand at putting together a story of the wonderful harvest of, of Scripture, of, of what we now know as the Bible and history that took place among us using reports handed down by the original eyewitnesses who served this word, which is, which is Jesus with their very lives. So he's, he's making the point that, that there's a lot of verbal accounts being handed around, but I've investigated the reports now in close detail, starting from the story's beginning. And I decided to write it all out for you, most honourable Theophilus. Didn't trend this year as the number one male baby name. So you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt, the reliability of what you were taught. Here's a doctor putting it out there that I've gone around, put on the hat of an investigative journalist and having interviewed eyewitnesses, not just one, but many, I've, I've pieced this story together and I'm, and I'm telling you, Theophilus, that you, you'd already believed it from verbal accounts. I'm saying what you have been believing is even more true than you thought it was because of, the evidence that I've gathered. This story doesn't start once upon a time. This story, Luke says, doesn't start with long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. This, this story, Luke is making the point, isn't a fake news story on Facebook, that this story actually happened. And he starts to give the details. One month later, God sent the angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth in Galilee with a message for a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to Joseph from the family of King David. And the angel greeted Mary and said, you are truly blessed. The Lord is with you. Remember those lines. You are Mary, you are truly blessed. The Lord is with you. When God shows up at the foot of your bed and says to you, you're truly blessed, exclamation mark, the Lord is with you. It's a good day. Okay, so, so far, Mary is having a good day. Mary was confused though with the angel's words and wondered what they meant. And the angel told Mary, don't be afraid. God's pleased with you. The day keeps getting better. And you'll have a son. Huh? His name will be Jesus. He'll be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will make him king as his ancestor David was and he'll rule the people of Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm not married. Now, anyway. Uh, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come down to you and you'll be, and, and God's power will come to you so your child will be called the Holy Son of God. All of this sounds pretty cool. Young Mary, teenager, maybe 15, 16 in that kind of age range. Angel appears, that's cool. Good news, you're blessed. You're favoured and you're gonna have a son, random, but he's gonna be the son of God. Oh, that's pretty cool. My neighbour, she had a son, one the son of God. <laughs> Can't wait to show her. Jesus in nine months' time. 
The reason though this wasn't necessarily great news for Mary is this wasn't Mary's plan. See, Mary was engaged to to, to be married to Joseph. She likely hadn't even met Joseph. This was the origins of of married at first sight. Way back then is that Mary was probably gonna marry a dude she was gonna meet for the first time on her wedding day, a guy named Joseph. And, uh, And her plan would have been to marry Joseph, after they get married, then do things that married people do, um, make some babies, have a bunch of babies, grow older, become a grandmother, uh, and, and then one day die. And, and die in an obscure village with no historical account that you ever walked on the planet. And that was just normal, not just normal for Mary, that would have been normal for all of her peers. And yet here we are 2000 years later, given her a shout out, but she wouldn't have thought of it as good news at the time. Because for one thing, if you were caught, accused and found guilty of having sex with somebody who wasn't your husband, it was a crime punishable by death. Now, even though she didn't have sex with Joseph, try telling that to the villagers because the the angel didn't appear to the whole village just Mary and Joseph. So Mary's walking around like Ricky Brunov's was a month ago. Oh no, still a virgin, still a virgin. Like, sweetheart. No one would have believed her. And it would have been potentially a crime punishable by death. This was not good news for Mary. Right when she got pregnant, or several months after she got pregnant, the the the. Uh, Roman emperor of the day, Caesar Augustus, called a census. And, and when he called a census, you couldn't do it online back then, which we all know is a highly reliable way of doing census online. <laughs> Nothing ever goes wrong. You had to travel to the place of your family of origin. And so in her case being that she's uh, with Joseph, they had to travel about 200 miles this is before Uber, on a donkey across, yeah, Roman roads, but this wasn't exactly tar-sealed roads. So there's pregnant Mary on a donkey thinking to herself, truly blessed, huh? Lord's with me, huh? Well, if this is what being blessed involves, God, you can take it and you can shove it where the sun don't shine. (laughs) Blessed my raw butt. And then there's no Airbnb, so they couldn't book ahead. They turn up to his town, nowhere to stay. Great, saddle sores, pregnant, no bed. Joseph, idiot. (laughs) Blessed, Lord's with me, feels to me like I'm not blessed and God's lost my number. Putting me through this ordeal, but it's okay. Because Joseph said to her, honey, Everything happens for a reason. (laughs) If you've ever experienced negative, random circumstances, then I gotta tell you, you have a lot more in common with the Christmas story than maybe you ever realised. Fast forward 33 years. Mary's had the ridicule of the villagers who they'd never bought the virgin, Holy Spirit, angel story. 
And now this son that she'd given birth to, this son that she'd weaned, this son that she'd raised, this son that she loved as, as, as her own, this, this son 33 years later was being paraded through the town, having his beard plucked strand by strand, being spat on, having a crown of thorns made for him mockingly that he was so, the so-called king of the Jews and this crown of thorns pierced into his, his skull and, and caused blood to run down his face. And there's Mary watching this unfold before her eyes, powerless to do anything about it. That he was hung on a cross with her standing at the foot of that cross, watching the breath leave his body. Truly blessed, the Lord is with you. Come on. And yet Mary became a poster child for trusting that even though she didn't understand everything, even though she probably didn't even like everything. See, see, children are not meant to die before their parents, especially die tortured before their parents' very eyes. And yet through all of this, Mary trusted that God had a plan. And I wanna underline for us tonight that when negative circumstances come our way that we don't understand, but we want to understand, which as I said, I think is the thumbprint of God in all of us, that, that there's something in us that says there is a plan we don't always know what it is, that that's when faith kicks into high gear. So you don't need faith if you understand everything. I don't understand the instructions for Ikea furniture. So when I start to assemble Ikea furniture, it's a journey of faith. I have no idea what I'm doing. Louis, she understands Ikea furniture. It's all pictures and no words. She doesn't need any faith to assemble Ikea furniture. Here's what I think great faith looks like. Great faith isn't faith that moves God, although great faith can move God. Great faith is faith that moves us to trust God when He doesn't seem to be moving. Here's an example in cozy Western 21st century Perth. I met a nice girl, just like I planned. We got married, just like I planned. We had babies, just like I planned. And then life handed me a job loss, which wasn't in the plan. Then life handed me a divorce, which wasn't in my plan. Then life handed me a health crisis which wasn't in my plan. And it's at these moments as we journey through life 
that the challenge is to trust that God has a plan and the very fact that you wonder if there's a reason for your suffering, if there's some way you can make sense of it and even when you, the best you can do or the best your friends can do is to pull out a well-worn cliche, just the fact that you don't accept that everything in life is for no reason, everything in life has no purpose, everything in life is completely random, completely disconnected, doesn't make sense. The fact that you refuse to accept that I say to you, is because there's the thumbprint of God in your life. Here's the deal. The regulars, you get around, um, among them, they'll tell you that they've read in the Bible and they believe it, that we're created in the image of God, that God created the heavens and the earth, but not just the heavens and the earth, as if that's all that, 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 that there was to it, but that He created you and me. And not that He created you and me like, like your pet Labrador, but actually that He created you and me in His image and in His likeness, that there's, there's something of His heartbeat actually baked into our DNA. And so that's why when, when negative, negative random circumstances come our way, we refuse to accept that that's all there is to life. That is the thumbprint of God, a reminder that you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't mean we'll understand everything. If you walk into a church and the guy doing my job says, uh, 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 Christmas is about nothing will ever go wrong. Because of Jesus, you'll never have any challenges. If you ever walk into a church that that's the message, follow Jesus, never have another problem in your life, Spin, run. That's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus, the Christmas story is that yes, whilst on this earth, we will experience negative circumstances. We will not understand all of those negative circumstances, but the fact that we have a longing for understanding, a longing for purpose in our pain, in our negativity, is a reminder, is a flag that you and I have been created in the image and the likeness of God. And the reason that we've been talking about tonight about the light of the world is that the light of the world, Jesus, brings light into our darkness. He doesn't always fix our problems, but He brings hope in the midst of uncertainty. He brings hope in the midst of challenges. He brings hope that there is a light that came into the world. His name is Jesus. And our message to every single one of you, whether you're a regular, whether you're a CEO, or whether you're here for the very first time, that Jesus doesn't just want to be the light of the world, but that He wants to be the light of your world. That the Christmas story is personal. And, and we've built up to this very moment that I'm giving you here and now, and that's an opportunity for you to make Jesus the light of your world. And here's how that's gonna roll. Someone just sent me a Facebook message, very inappropriate timing. In a moment, for those of you that, that have never made Jesus the light of your world, chosen to follow Him, in a moment, I want you to put your hand up and you're saying to Him, tonight, Jesus, I'm making the decision to follow You. Just like big Dave Brunovs did a few years ago, telling his story. 
that there is a light and His Name is Jesus, but He's not just the light of the world, He wants to be the light of your world. In a moment, I want you to put your hand up to Him. Say, that's me tonight. I wanna make you the light of my world. I'll see your hand, put it down, and then we're gonna pray. And then we're gonna finish our Christmas Eve live experience celebrating the light of the world. So right now, as I'm looking across our auditorium, if you've never made Jesus the light of your world, just put your hand up right now. I'll see your hand. You can Then you can put it down. Like Dave did a few years ago, Ricky did at a young age. How about you tonight? See your hand and you can put it down. I don't wanna miss anybody. Let me pray. God, I thank You for every single person that is here with us tonight celebrating Christmas, the Christmas story, that however we came to be here, whatever our background is, God, I pray that there's some fresh light that's come into the lives of the people gathered here tonight. In Jesus' Name, Amen.